Hey, you guys, welcome back to an episode of the Good Grow Great podcast, the Great Lengths segment. I am so thrilled to welcome you. I hope that wherever you are listening, and hopefully you are charging forth, that you're working out and you're listening to us, that you are driving or commuting, or maybe you're just hanging out at home, having lunch or whatever, and uh, and tuning in. And whatever it is that you're doing, I am so thrilled because in this segment, we talk and we take a deep dive into the brains of some small giants and people who have really created a life that they like, that they love, that they're proud of. And so today, I wanted to share with you the story of Paula Williams. Now, Paula had worked with Fortune 50 companies before starting AviationBusinessConsultants.com. She fell in love with aviation when she married her husband, John, who is a lifelong aviator, and she now helps flight schools, charter companies, all these amazing groups, and she also runs intensive aviation professional course. Today, Paula will share with us three small things that can make massive big changes on our lives, like the time when four F-16 planes <laughs> crept up behind her on, uh, on air while she's flying and how she dealt with that unexpected change, right? And she also wanted to share how she prepared for decision-making before a flight and how you can do this as well with anything that you're working on, any anything that are high stakes, big things that you are looking to do. And she is also going to share with us what she did when she felt trapped in a bank job years ago and how you can also get unstuck wherever you are. So before we dive in, don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Growth Solvers, let's dive in. Paula, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad that you invited me. This is, uh, this is going to be fun. Yes, it is. I am so excited that you're here because aviation is definitely a world that I think fascinates a lot of people. And it definitely has fascinated me as well. And I'm not in that space as well. So I'm so excited for you to be here and for you to share just insights and gems throughout the years that you've been in the business and uh, and share some great, great gems for our listeners and our audience today. So I do want to begin uh, actually with how your love for aviation uh, essentially begin, right? And you had mentioned before we start rolling how it is a very personal reason. So can you please chat a little bit about how you got started in aviation? Absolutely. Um, I have to say, before I was in my 30s, I had never had any experience with small planes or with aviation other than as a passenger. And of course, I always loved, you know, the feeling of taking off. And, you know, I'd been flying around as a commuter uh, my whole life, but uh, I had never thought of airplanes as anything other than uh, something somebody else drives, you know, and uh, yeah. and things like that. So, um, you know, I met my husband, and we got married in 2006. One of the things about him uh, that is an absolute uh, is that he has been a pilot since practically since birth. 
um, you know, he's flown just about everything, flown in the military uh, and other kinds of things. So that was part of the deal uh, with him. And uh, he and I, um, one of our first purchases together was a 172 that we bought at the factory, the uh, Cessna factory, and uh, flew it home from the factory. And uh, so I was a semi-competent co-pilot, you know, just kind of self-taught and things like that and decided I really needed to get my rating, my private rating, uh, just to go through the experience of that and and everything else. So um, then, of course, in the the process of of going to school and everything else and meeting people and getting in, in... immersed in the culture and things like that. I totally fell in love with it and was completely ruined for my day job. So, <laughs> and what was the day job then? The day job then was uh, working in a cubicle. Um, I was actually a marketing, uh, well, I was a internet nerd uh, for Wells Fargo and, uh, you know, doing a lot of uh, their marketing tasks on their website and other things like that. So, that's, that's a great switch. That's a great transition. Right. And I'm kind of curious, actually, because before we touch on a little bit more about your work with Wells Fargo and being a computer nerd, how mm-hmm. was that feeling like? Because I imagine that you took some classes or courses before you fly, you took your first flight, right? Or you mm-hmm. piloted your first flight. So how was that feeling like when you first basically took off, whether that's with someone next to you in the cockpit or it was somebody else or just on your own? Describe that feeling for us for a second. Um, well, I have to say, you know, flying with, with my husband was the first uh, experience that I had. And it's kind of this mixture of, oh my God, are we really going to do this? And, uh, wow, you know, I mean, it's, it's really un- indescribable because you walk around a small plane like a 172 and it's a fairly sizable chunk of metal, but, you know, you can stick your hand on it. It's a really solid, heavy, earthly creature. And it is just about unbelievable to think that you're going to get in this thing and close the door like you do in a car and take <laughs> off into the air. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of the, the newbie first experience and, you know, being in my 30s before that happened, of course, um, you know, for a child, you just kind of take things as they come. But, you know, as an older person, you're thinking, is this really going to work? Because this defies all of my other experience in the world, you know, that uh, this is, this is uh, a big substantial object, and it's actually going to be supported by the air. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, the yeah, physics yeah. and everything else is just all going on in your mind and going, wow, you know, this is just unbelievable. Right. And I imagine that you've been, you've seen some amazing skies and you've maybe seen some, I don't know, sunsets and sunrise and you're in Salt Lake, which is absolutely gorgeous. So was there ever a moment or a day when you, that is so memorable just because of the experience maybe flying or maybe just the the views or maybe the person that you're flying with, perhaps your husband, that kind of stood out in your memory in the years that you've been flying. Right. Well, of course, I love flying with my husband, but probably my most memorable moment was on one of my solos as I was still a student pilot. And, you know, you have to take a couple of cross-country flights uh, in order to get to your private rating. And so I'm flying by the mountains um, in Salt Lake City. So there are mountains on the east side of the, the city and flying along the mountains toward Ogden, toward Hill Air Force Base. 
And, uh, you know, of course, you tune into the Hill Air Force Base Tower and the very nice lady at the Hill Air Force Base Tower said, there are four F-16s that are going to come over the mountains, pass through your altitude on your left-hand side and land at Hill Air Force Base. Um, You know, don't change your course or speed. Just keep doing what you're doing. It'll be great. You know, and I'm like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And uh, it's a good thing they knew I was there because there is no way I could have gotten out of the way. I'm in this little 172, which is like, you know, the, the, the Ford Pinto of the sky. And these, F-16s are coming over the mountain. So I didn't hear them until they are right on top of me. And, uh, you know, then they pass through my altitude and, you know, you see the bellies of these F-16s just diving almost straight down to Hill Air Force Base. And, you know, four of them just zoom, zoom, zoom. (laughs) And uh, I just, you know, I mean, I was just in absolute awe and, uh, and terror probably in some ways. (laughs) Right. You know, you're half scared and half just, amazed and uh you know it's just an amazing experience and i've never been the same since i've i've never gotten over that and have told that story forty-seven thousand times anybody will listen it's just <laughs> well, amazing and i love that you were somehow able to kind of keep calm because i think in these types of and i think people who have similar uh, maybe not similar training but definitely people who work in kind of the uh, Navy, right, or they're involved in ocean and kind of the ocean industry. It it also, I think they also are trained to basically navigate these types of situations when you're you're expecting the unexpected, but when the unexpected comes, there's still that element of just uh, again awe and also mixed with just a little bit of fear, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if when for the audience who's listening who don't have aviation background and never maybe have flown uh, in their life, right? What was uh, what were some of the things that you were uh, that you have gone through in training uh, as mm. a student, right? And that you have had to use, right? And or maybe the ones that you've never used that you think was so important, and when you're going through it, was maybe not so fun to do, right? Any of anything like that, Paula? Yeah. Well, I do have to say, you know, my first few lessons, I would actually almost get physically sick before getting in the airplane, Um, you know, to be totally honest. And I never told anybody this, not even my husband, because I didn't want him to know. Um, You know, I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, But it, you know, there is a certain level of anxiety that you have to conquer. And, you know, you just have to kind of ground yourself in, um, you know, some breathing techniques and other things to just go, you know what, all I have to do is keep breathing in and out. I'm going to be with an instructor, da, 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 da. you know, these are the things that I, I know that are familiar about this flight. Um, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I've done it a million times in practice. So, um, you know, you just focus on the few things that are familiar. So, you know, like that time when those F-16s were going through my, my, my airspace, um, in my personal space, um, as it were, yeah. um, you know, you just have to think, I know what I'm doing. You know, I know all of, I know my controls. I can see, you know, there's not much disruption as they're going through. This is fine. You know, so some part of your mind is going, I know this, you know, I understand this. I, I get all of these processes. I'm breathing in and out. If I have to remind myself to breathe in and out. Um, But you focus on what is familiar 
and then what is unfamiliar will be a lot more manageable. It's the same thing with um, you know sales. Uh, a lot of the other things that I found as scary as an entrepreneur, um, you know, it's really helped me. I think being able to draw on that experience and go, I know what I'm doing. You know, I yeah. can I can fly with with these guys, and it's fine. So of course I can make a sales call. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you pointed out that you focus on what's familiar when mm-hmm. you're in a somewhat unfamiliar setting. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's that unfamiliar setting and just kind of that organic possibility of something will go wrong is really the thing that pushes a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, and people who are striving to get ahead, pushes them uh, I guess, off track in some ways, right? Which yeah. is no different than people who, I hear this all the time, people who speak in public and they are great speakers, done hundreds of them, and then they get on stage and they still get kind of the jitters and they have to remind themselves uh, that, hey, yeah, you've done this, you've got this XYZ little steps, and I'm huge on focusing on the small things to create big leaps. And I think your your story is definitely one that is uh, where that's definitely applicable. And um, I am curious, though, again, because I have no aviation training, I am curious just personally, if somebody does end up getting really sick and vomit in <laughs> on air, right? what's the, is there like a barf bag? Like, what's the, what's the procedure? Oh, yeah, there's okay. a procedure. There's a procedure for everything, which okay. is uh, why aviation is what it is today. You know, you think back to the days of, of um, you know, the Wright brothers and other things, they were just making stuff up. But every time somebody screws up in an airplane, uh, there is another procedure that is invented. <laughs> So all of those checklists and all of those procedures, and this is another thing that I think is really applicable to business, is somebody has had this problem before. How did they solve it? You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So yes, there is a bag, you know, and yes, there is a procedure. You set um, the airplane up for a glide, and a 172 is the only thing that I've ever piloted, to be honest, you know, but it is a super forgiving airplane. You set it up on a course and speed and it will do whatever it is doing. And luckily I've never gotten sick in the air, but if I was, I just set it up for a place that I know is safe, you know, just go this direction out into the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, I, if I have time to tell the con- controller, you know, I'm out here doing this and I'll be going this way and that's all I need to do. The airplane will take care of itself for a certain amount of time. I need to watch for traffic, but you know, if I'm on an instrument flight plan, somebody's watching for traffic for me. So all of that is handled. I can do whatever I need to do for minutes at a time and uh, it'll all be taken care of. Yeah. And I Uh, love that you pointed out just a minute ago, how when the Wrights brother, you know, when they were inventing mm -hmm. things, they were also coming along, just coming up with the steps as they go along. Right. And it actually reminded me, I was speaking to a, a, a lady who had worked with NASA before and she had shared a story about how even NASA was somewhat inventing things as they go along, right? They're coming up with solutions that they don't know if it works or not, but they're figuring things out, right? And yes, of course, there's precedence before uh, that uh, before you or whoever 
at the universal you who can kind of give essentially guidance and st- and just clues as to what to do. But it's always the the ability to embrace the unknown with the known together that really makes it absolutely amazing. So um, these are great. And I obviously can chat all day about some fun experiences that you had flying. But I do want to touch on something that um, you mentioned, you know, with business owners, uh, with the different businesses, there are some similarities with aviation, right? And mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to hear because you consult for aviation businesses and listeners who may or may not have aviation business or maybe they have different types of business consulting or, um, or anything else, right? Outdoor adventure, anything else. What are some things that you have learned in maybe the times that you fly or maybe in the industry that you're, you're serving that was really kind of different, that, you, that was something that kind of stood out to you? And the reason why I ask this is because I think there are definitely industries out there where, uh, you know, even just maybe even the cleaning industry where it's, it's all, it's slightly, if not very different from certain other things, but the business principles and the principles that they use there can totally be applied and modified and adapted to the other businesses, right? So is there one or two or maybe three things that come to mind, Paula, as far as things that are, that really stood out in the aviation business that maybe other business owners can learn from? Right. Um, well, one that definitely stands out is the use of checklists. And um, if you've read the Checklist Manifesto, which is actually about the medical industry, um, checklists are also very, very central to the aviation industry. So, you know, the higher the risk, the more likely that industry is to use checklists. Um, so I would say, you know, if you are in a, an adventure field, you know, the more, um, the more risk you want to take, the more you want to invent and include or adapt checklists that are either already out there or that you can build for yourself. And, um, you know, of course, in marketing, you and I know that habits are incredibly important. You can be brilliant one time and it won't amount to anything unless you involve that in something that you do every single time. So, you know, every single time you walk out to an airplane, there's a pre-flight checklist. And you go through exactly the same thing in exactly the same order every single time. And if something is out of place, you know it and you fix it and, you know, you you move on from there. And it's the same thing, I think, with marketing campaigns or, um, you know, business processes and things like that. Um, If you follow those same habits, then you're better able to adapt to anything new that comes along. So those F-16s that come along in your life. Um, you can adapt to them because you know everything else that's going on and everything else is, gonna, um, is going to support you and serve you well. Uh, and you can handle that new thing because you know everything behind you, everything that you've already checked off is going to be solid and, and dependable. So um, yeah. I love this because I think yeah. it's really, we're undermining, I think because it's so much a part of our lives, right? In some ways, yeah. checklist that we are undermining its importance because I, I think a lot of people who are maybe experienced often say, well, you don't need the checklist, but actually it, it really helps. And especially, especially in particular, particular situations like the F-16s that you talked about in, yeah. in, in that the checklist gives you the bandwidth to 
you know, just kind of embrace those unknown because you know all the other things have been taken care of, right? Exactly. And um, and I love this idea that that you have shared because it kind of reminded me of a story. And I don't know if you know this story, Paula, but it's about a a passenger plane. I think it's an Australian airline, if I'm not mistaken, and. And it was this huge, huge uh, airplane, and it's it carries hundreds of people, obviously. And it was a, an overnight flight that they were doing. Right, everything went well. It was state of the art, everything. And then so, suddenly something went wrong, and then quickly sixty things went wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I remember watching the documentary that that somebody made with the the pilot who's now of course hailed a hero because he went through 60 things that went wrong engine everything went went down and everything broke and yet he was able to land everybody safety you know safely and it was just this beautiful just kind of of course it's a beautiful experience because everyone can look back on it with uh, with a smile but I'm sure it wasn't an accident. Not only it was his training that was helpful, it was also these checklists that you talked about, right? Uh, which I think is absolutely amazing. So I do want to pivot for a second here, Paula, and just talk about your, uh, your background before. We're going to talk a little bit about Paula's work at consulting for aviation businesses. But before we do that, I wanted to actually touch on your, uh, your experience working with some of these big, big brands, Wells Fargo, right? And mm-hmm. some Fortune uh, 50 companies. And I know that the, a lot of the listeners who are listening maybe are in corporate jobs, right? And they're kind of like deciding, oh, uh, do I really want to make the leap forward to basically do something on my own, right? Or things like that. What was your decision making when you finally shifted gears and you start to say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing and, uh, and I'm going to maybe shift from that world? Right. Um, well, you know, anybody who has worked in a cubicle knows that there are challenges uh, with that type of a world. Um, another thing that is um, an interesting thing that happens sometimes is when you're working in an industry that starts showing up in the news, you know, and this was a time when some of the banking industries and things like that, and this was way before, um, I know Wells Fargo was involved in some, uh, some stuff later on. But this was way before that. But there were a few banks that were showing up in the news, um, having done some, um, shall we say, awkward marketing quest. Uh, you know, they they answered questions in a way that I would not have. You know, that I was not comfortable with, or that I didn't feel right about. And of course, then I have to ask myself, you know, what do I do if the company that I'm with goes in a direction that I'm not comfortable with? Um, am I going to be trapped in a, you know, economically trapped basically uh, in a situation where I have to go along with something that I may not agree with? And, you know, so that's when I started reading a bunch of books about entrepreneurship and other things like that, because I, I felt like I needed to have a plan B. Um, you know, I had a, a young child at the time. It was a single mom. This was before I met John. And, um, you know, so I was effectively, you know, and I thought about it effectively trapped in this job um, because I had some things going on that um, took money, you know? (laughs) And so I did not like that feeling at all. And, um, you know, wanted to make sure that I had some, some options and things like that. And it seemed to me that 
the way the corporate world was going. I actually sat in the same desk and worked in the same job for four different banks in, um, well, actually four different companies in the space of five years. Wow. Yeah, two different consulting companies and two different banks because they, they were like swallowing each other like fish. You know, another big fish always comes along. So I really didn't have much control over my employer, obviously. Um, you know, so I could be working for a co- totally different company next year while in the same job because the whole company gets bought lock, stock and barrel employees and everything. So I like, I like your story because what really drew me and I've, I hear this so many times is the basically the part where you mentioned, okay, well, there are certain things that they're doing that you maybe weren't comfortable with, or maybe there are going to be certain things that they are going to be talking about sharing that maybe you don't want to be a part of or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think this is so true because a lot of people who've worked in corporate, yes, of course, there, there are pros and cons to everything, yeah. but this is the part where, okay, well, where do you get to, to basically raise your hand and uh, have your voice heard, right? right? And I think that's definitely the feeling that a lot of entrepreneurs started with when they maybe leave their job or transition or start to think about new things. So I, I like that. I definitely like the honesty when you're sharing about how it just didn't, it wasn't a good feeling having that in the back of your mind. And also the idea that you don't know where your future is going to go, right? And right. how that's going to, uh, how that's going to pan out. Any, any days can, can be new. Someone will get bought out and everything. So I, I definitely relate and definitely can resonate with that as well. So when you consult with, uh, you know, the aviation for the aviation industries right now, who do you serve? Is it charter schools? Because you mentioned, um, uh, I guess, uh, private schools, not charter schools, uh, schools, aviation schools, or who else do you serve? We've got turbine overhaulers. We've got um, thing manufacturers, you know, uh, aircraft component manufacturers, software, um, appraisers, uh, aircraft value experts, aircraft business consultants, um, you know, who value aircraft businesses or aviation businesses of that sort. We've got um, records people, insurance people, you know, doctors, lawyers, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers. They're all in the aviation industry. So, um, you know, all of those folks, caterers, you know, everything that you find in the rest of the world, you kind of find a, a subset of that in, in aviation. Uh, which is great. So, you know, we get to serve a wide variety of of clients, but they're all subject to this funky vocabulary and this funky culture that um, is at the aviation industry. Yeah. So do they, uh, do you find that being in the aviation industry, do you find that it is changing now with with the world and what's going on right now? Has that impacted any of the things, any of the conversations that you're having with your clients and people that you serve? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there's fluctuations with the economy. Um, and often when one part of the aviation industry goes up, the other one goes down. So, you know, for example, flight schools were shut down uh, for the COVID situation. And so, you know, they're obviously not doing much marketing, but a lot of people are taking charter flights that have never considered that before, you know, that always used to buy an airline ticket. So, um, you know, there are ups and downs and one of our clients, um, Gene Clow, he's a he's a broker uh, that sells many different types of aircraft because that diversity protects his business. So he always says, and you know, he's kind of 
become a really good friend of ours, you know, but a, a good market for somebody, a bad market for somebody is always a good market for somebody else. So you right. just have to follow the market and find, find those opportunities. Right. And this is where basically, I think this is applicable in recessions, right? Definitely mm-hmm. when, when the pandemic hits, you kind of see that, of course, there are certain things that are slowing down, shutting down, but at the same time, the, the scale kind of tipped the other way. And that's where opportunity starts to shift. So I like that saying that he was, Gene is your friend, right? And he right, had right. mentioned that that's, it's, there's always opportunities everywhere. And I think I talked about this uh, concept of acres of diamonds that from yeah. the book, I don't know if you've read the book, Russell Conwell, which is absolutely amazing. One of my favorite books. And just the idea that you don't have to go far to find opportunities. And it's actually, a lot of times it's in your backyard, right? Which is absolutely amazing. So how do you, what's your take on, because I know that a lot of people right now who have uh, who's who's looking at traveling as kind of this distant thing of the not just the past but maybe even the future. But uh, what's your take on just kind of uh, passenger commuting? Is that going to come back soon? Do you feel like is that something that you feel is going to change forever? The same way that nine eleven changed air travel. What, what's your take on that? I think it will come back. Uh, but probably not in the same way. Um, there is a lot of technology that is happening right now uh, that is going to improve a lot of different things. Um, right now, you and I are talking on Zoom. Um, I've been talking on Zoom for 15 years or go to meeting or Citrix or whatever it was, you know, in the past uh, because I was working remotely. You know, my, my job was in San Francisco and I'm in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but once a month I would get on an airplane and I would take the first flight out because I'm a single mom. I take the first flight out to San Francisco, spend the day doing meetings and other kinds of things, and then take the last flight back to Salt Lake City. And I do that at least once a month, sometimes twice. Um, and, you know, pick up my kid at daycare. So, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. that was what I did. And that seems a little weird now. Um, you know, people don't commute that far. But there is something about being together. And I think once a month was a really good time frame because it made those Zoom calls so much more effective if these were people that I had sat and ate with and, um, you know, worked on projects on a whiteboard with and done the yellow sticky thing and, you know, whatever it takes to do things in person. There's a certain tactile thing about sitting with someone and working on a project. And, yeah, we try to see our clients at least once a year uh, or once every two years, even the clients that live far, far away and and don't pay us a whole lot, you know, we can find a way to include them in a trip because I think it's really important to be in the same room with someone. And that's what the aviation industry is all about. So as long as there's that need, um, the aviation industry will be fine. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with you. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's going to be a hundred percent remote. Yes. I think it's definitely becoming easier to do that, but I think there's just no replacement to your point, right? There's no replacement for sitting right across from each other and just having that conversation face to face, like you said, with the whiteboard, there's just something, it's just kind of like with, with books and papers versus audible. Yes, those are great, but there's just something about this more, more tactile and physical form of communication that really isn't quite replaceable just yet. Anyway, unless somebody innovates something and was able to find a way for us to do holograms, or I don't know. But 
Um, yeah. But it's just, I don't think it's, it's going to be completely gone away. So I like that, uh, that you've shared that with us. And, and that's, uh, that's something that's still, that we can still look forward to, which is amazing. So uh, believe it or not, uh, Paula, we're coming to the conclusion of our conversation. So why don't you go ahead and share with the audience where they can learn more about you and we'll wrap up the interview. Um, well, our website is aviationbusinessconsultants.com. And uh, we help aviation companies sell more of their products and services. Amazing. Paula, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me, Thalia. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Grow solvers. Let's dive in. 